This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. This is episode three, and today's topic is wildlife encounters. Talk to me, Dave. Last year, you and I saw a stunning photo of wolves at the Fishing Bridge General Store at the east entrance to the Yellowstone National Park. I don't remember that day, but we were starving. Oh, we were. We had fished the Yellowstone up near Tower Fall, and man, I, I was so hungry. I never had a cheeseburger better than the one I had in that store. We probably had only just eaten an hour earlier. <laughs> Eating is one of the most important parts of fly fishing. That's right. But we were starving, and um, we were worried the store was going to be closed. Yeah. I can't remember. Was it 8 or 9 o'clock? Something like that. Great little cafe. Very you remember nice Remember we cafe. Uh, saw that grizzly bear alongside the road? Mm-hmm. Right. But there was a photographer at the store, a guy named uh, C. Thomas Hoff, and he had this unbelievable phot- uh, shot of wolves and um, it reminded me of some stories uh, that we experienced several years ago. That's right. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about encountering wildlife uh, other than trout uh, when we're fly fishing. Uh, really, seeing wildlife in their element is one of the greatest privileges of fly fishing. If you're fishing in the American Midwest or the East Coast, obviously the likelihood of a dangerous wildlife encounter is much less than it is obviously in the West. Right. So here's some of the things that, that you might run into. Uh, one would be wolves. If you are fishing in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, especially in Yellowstone National Park, but not limited to the park, you might run into a wolf. Now, we haven't had anything scary, but uh, Dave, you remember the time when we were fishing uh, the Yellowstone below Tower Fall? We were uh, uh, up maybe a couple of miles and uh, we ran into a couple wolves that day. Remember that? Yeah, in fact, I, re- I remember it because you were fishing and I had stopped fishing. I was sitting on the bank and had my lunch out and was watching you fish, dropping, uh, dropping a fly around some boulders and beating the water to a froth, <laughs> as you were known to do. Um, but I saw some movement across the river and, and I saw this animal uh, walk down to the bank right across from you. In fact, I said, I remember saying to you, hey, Steve, look at that coyote. And then you said, uh, Dave, that's no coyote. That's a wolf. It was a black wolf. Yeah. Beautiful. It was a gorgeous Beautiful. wolf. In yeah. fact, now I realize it was probably part of the Lamar Valley pack that was introduced into the Yellowstone ecosystem back in 1996. Right. And, um, and it was just really a wonderful, wonderful experience to see that wolf. It was really weird because the wolf uh, did not appear frightened by us. Yeah. And uh, it was, what, maybe 40 yards uh, across the, the river at that point. So at least we had the river separating us. But didn't, didn't you think that uh, that photo we saw was probably probably the same wolf was in that picture, right? Yeah, very likely. Um, the wolves that were chasing down the elk, very likely that the wolf was a part of that pack. I don't know if it was the exact wolf you know in that picture but very definitely because the lamar valley is just the next valley over right yeah there's not that many wolves so yeah so you never know when when you're out uh, fly fishing you you could run into a wolf 
More probably, though, more common, uh, a lot of buffalo uh, in the park. And uh, wow, just the other day I, I saw a story about a tourist who uh, was uh, trying to get a photo from uh, get a photo of a buffalo, and they were three to six feet in front of this thing, turned around looking at the camera, and the tourist got gored. And uh, boy, if, uh, buffalo are nothing to uh, uh, mess around with. You know, uh, do you remember? I think it was again. It was it was close to the year when we saw the wolf. It may have been the same year. It may have been a year or two earlier. But uh, we were returning uh, from Tower Fall again. We were walking back to uh, back to our car, and we were humping along the trail and looked up and saw a herd of bison uh, lying like m lazy milk cows yeah. in the trail. And I don't know how many were there. Do you think were there eight or nine? Yeah, bison? I think so. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there was a calf or two. And I'm I'm really terrible at judging distance. You know, maybe they were 150 yards. Yeah, I think that's about right. Mm -hmm. So I remember you saying. <laughs> You, you being the more rational one, saying, um, <laughs> what do you think we should do? Um, but there was no alternative way back to our car to the top of Tower Fall. The swiftness of the stone and the slippery rock bottom was too treacherous for us to cross, you know, even with waders. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we were, we were right along the Yellowstone, weren't we? And just kind of around the bend from uh, uh, the, the trail that gets you back home. Anyway, it was dark. Yeah, I remember it was close to dark. And yeah. I remember replying to your question. I said, hey, let's keep walking. Wow, brilliant idea. Yeah. <laughs> They'll get up and start moving up the ravine. Well, we kept walking and started moving towards the bison. And sure enough, they got up and, well, all of them got up yeah. with the except, exception of one, which was the bull. And, um, and we, yeah. as soon as we saw that he didn't get up, we stopped and he did not appear overly anxious with us. Man, and, no um, kidding. At one point, he stood up, and I could see he was, I was close enough, I could see he was switching his tail. Yeah, like yeah, I remember that. Uh huh. And um, as you know, the male brain does not fully mature until his mid-20s and even 30s, and I would say <laughs> that uh, probably for me, my, <laughs> I was in my late 40s, I don't think it's still matured. Um, <laughs> But I remember this uncomfortable silence when we saw that he started moving toward us. It was like he was curious. I yeah. Know, do they have good eyesight? Do you know? Oh, I'm not sure, but boy, he was close enough. He didn't have to have much eyesight to be able to see us. <laughs> well, there's this moment where you think, um, there's no place to go, right? You're yeah. not going to outrun a bison. And it wasn't like he it was mad, but there was no place to go because we were right on the edge of the Yellowstone. I yeah. remember us edging. Mm -hmm. We may have even like stepped into the Yellowstone, but there's no way you can cross it at that point. No, I know. I'm thinking, wow, I'm going to have to, you know, get in the fetal position and, you know, float down this thing. <laughs> I think we had bear spray, and I think I'm yeah. thinking, I wonder if bear spray works <clears throat> yeah, on bison. Yeah, that's right. But um, and he kept moving towards us, and how far, how close did he get? Yeah, I don't know. Was it 25 yards, maybe? Maybe or? 25, 30 yeah. yards. But all of a sudden he stopped, he looked yeah. at us, and we <laughs> looked at him, and he switched its tail, and next thing you know, he started sauntering up the ravine, you know, following yeah. the rest of the herd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've got to give those bulls a wide berth, and, and I don't think we did anything textbook, <laughs> but uh, I, common sense is you, you don't, you know, you don't make sudden dramatic movements, and, and uh, you know, try to give them the opportunity to get out of the way, and usually they will. I remember um, 
we hiked in silence for the rest of the way. Yeah, that's right. Um, there just wasn't much to say other than, um, you know, that was that was close. Yeah. I don't it, know if anything bad could have happened, but, you know, hearing all the stories about people getting gored in the park. Well, that's it. There's a book called Death in Yellowstone, which really ought to be required reading for anybody who spends any amount of time there. And you'd just be surprised how many people over the years have been gored by uh, buffalo, and, and it's simply because they get too close. You know, it's not like a bull sees you 100 yards away and decides to charge, but if, if you don't take them seriously, uh, look out. Well, the other, uh, another uh, major source of wildlife that you always have to be looking out for would be bears, and particularly grizzly bears. Thankfully, we've never seen a grizzly bear while fly fishing, but uh, a couple times, remember, we've seen big grizz by the road, haven't oh, we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Remember the one, uh, there was, was it, were both the cub and the grizz and the mom yes, bear up, uh-huh. up on the, in the tree? Right. All those tourists, we were standing around oh, with their cameras outside of their car. Oh, it's so it's scary. Yeah. I was on horseback a few years ago coming out of Slough Creek. That's in the northeast part of Yellowstone Park. In fact, at Tower Junction, uh, you head <clears throat> through the Lamar Valley, and it doesn't take you too long to get to that trailhead. But I was on horseback coming out of Slough Creek uh, after fishing it, and a friend and I uh, you know, came across a, a, a lady who uh, was obviously pretty frightened, and uh, she had just encountered a grizzly, and and I, I think it even reared up in its haunches, but then uh, ambled away, and uh, she was really scared, so barely missed that. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll talk in just a moment about how to be safe, but uh, always watch out for bears. You know, the other thing would be rattlesnakes. I guess we've never run into a rattler, have we, when we're fly fishing? No, you know, I remember the last one I ran into was when I was 18 years old. Uh, some seniors, uh, we were seniors at the time, and we uh, camped along the Missouri River in South Dakota. Oh, yeah. And uh, ran across a rattlesnake and yep. killed it. And through the years, I've seen them, but I've never actually walked up on one or heard one rattle. And that's surprising because uh, that area of the, the lower Madison that we fish a lot, uh, the, uh, there's just a lot of them. Actually, I did run into one uh, one time. My son and I were out hunting. Not hunting. We were out with a group of guys in the spring, and uh, we were going out to just to shoot clay pigeons. We were, uh, we were in the lower Madison, uh, kind of between Warm Springs Access and Black's Ford, uh, where everybody likes to intertube, and we were... Uh, we were just walking maybe 50 yards uh, off of the the roadside where we parked to this place where we were going to shoot, and uh, we, we heard a couple buzz and uh, uh, ended up seeing a couple of them, but uh, never have run into them there. Although, I, do you remember this? A couple years ago when we fished the bear trap, uh, coming out, uh, I'll never forget it, I was walking along, and and I looked down, and right to the right of my my boot uh, was a, a snake coiled up. It was a rattlesnake, and my heart about stopped. And then I realized yeah, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. dead. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah, some friend of mine, a guy named Stan, left it by the trail. He had killed it. Uh, we had talked to him. You know, we were fishing, and then he, you know, we were going in. He was coming. He was going out. So after we passed him on his way out, he, he and he killed that rattlesnake, and of course he left it right there to scare the daylights out of me. You know what's strange is uh, when we're fishing on the Madison there by Warm Springs, 
it's like it can be so warm in the in the afternoon that the you know the, you know the snakes come out right you know mm-hmm. and yet you know it almost feels like you could have a snow squall in about you know an hour later I yeah the weather changes mm-hmm. so much up there but the ra- there's a lot of rattlesnakes on that ledge in those rocks above above the uh, above the parking lot yeah there really are so anytime you're out fly fishing you really have to know uh, what you might run into I mean I've I've fly fished before in the Black Hills. I know there's a lot of rattlesnakes there. Never ran into one, but uh, even even places back in Pennsylvania where I would fly fish, I, I knew there were snakes, so always got to watch out for them. So let's talk about some precautions. Um, one would be, if, if you're in bear country, is, is bear spray, and we always carry that. Uh, not the cheapest stuff, is it? No, it sure isn't, and there's a there's a like a life to it. Like, yeah, you know, you're not allowed to carry it on the plane. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, we bought it sometimes and left it with friends, but yeah, it only has a, a short lifespan. I want to say a couple years. Yep. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what, that stuff is uh, it's worth its weight in gold, and, and I'm convinced of that. It it really saved the life of a friend of mine uh, back. When I lived in Montana, I think this was in the late 90s, uh, maybe around 2000, uh, I was uh, doing a lot of bow hunting then, and and a friend of mine, another guy named Dave, uh, invited me to go bow hunting with him, and I I thought we were going over to the crazy mountains, uh, just be kind of north, northeast of Livingston by Wilsall, and anyway, we're riding along, and then I realized, oh no, we're going up the Gallatin Canyon, and sure enough, he said, yeah, we're going to fish Taylor's Fork. Oh, great. I mean, that's got more grizzlies per capita than about any area in the, you know, in the U.S. And so uh, we, we both carried bear spray that day. We, we didn't see any bears, although we saw a ton of bear sign, a lot of bear scat, uh, places where we, we knew bears had, had overturned rocks and uh, fine. Well, it was the next season when... My friend took another guy up there bow hunting. It was a surgeon friend of his, and they actually got mauled by a grizzly. Unbelievable. Yeah, my, my friend Dave uh, was, was uh, cow calling. We, we used to bugle, but we found that imitating the sound of a cow elk was more effective a lot of times. And he was, I think he was cow calling, and, and all of a sudden in comes a uh, hurt some That sounds crashing. like our dating life. <laughs> yeah, all yeah, right. There you go. Sorry about that. Yeah, but you digress. <laughs> anyway, as I the point I was desperately trying to make was that as as he's cow calling and here's this crash in the the timber and and thought, oh yeah, great, here comes a bull elk. Well, it was a grizzly, and I mean this thing is just racing towards him, and it knocked down his friend and started to maul him. And, oh my gosh! And Dave pulled out his bear spray. In fact. Bear spray is probably more effective than uh, a 44 Magnum uh, uh, because it can incapacitate a bear a little bit more quickly. Plus, you're not going to kill your friend either. So uh, Dave got the bear spray out, gave the, the bear a blast of this stuff, and, and, and the bear took off. And then, you know, when they, they both recovered kind of from the spray, I mean, it's a, it, it's a lot more potent than mace would be. Uh, then Dave got his friend out, and I mean, this this guy was a surgeon. He ended up having to have a couple surgeries, uh, uh, but point is, the bear spray saved his life. So and you can't have a 
uh, a weapon inside Yellowstone National right, Park yeah, or any of anyway. the parks, right? So exactly, um, you need bear spray. Yeah, it's you basic. really do. You really do. You need to learn how to use it, and and uh, yeah, don't don't go into bear country without it. What else do you use? What else is helpful, Dave? What other precautions do do we take or do you take when we're fishing? You know, you and I always or just recently um, have started to use two-way radios. Yeah. Uh, cell phones don't often work. And even in the driftless in Wisconsin, you know, cell phone coverage is patchy. Right. And so um, especially as we've gotten older, um, you know, you, you know, turn an ankle, you, um, you know, something happens and, you know, you don't, you can't call, there's no cell. And so two-way radios are really important. We use them when we hunt in North Dakota, pheasant hunting or deer hunting yeah. or whatever we do. But mm-hmm. two-way radios are really basic, I think, to if you're gonna if you're gonna fish with a partner, uh, it's really important to have two-way radios. Yeah, they're really helpful. The only downside is is sometimes, uh, like you, you'll you'll call me on the radio just because you want to brag. You, know, you, you <laughs> caught the biggest fish in your life. You need help, so I have to come running. But 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 other than that. Uh, yeah, the two-way radios are important. Wow, what do you do if you get struck by a rattlesnake? Uh, I have a cousin, Ed, in Spokane, Washington, who's an emergency room doctor, and I, I ask him, well, what do you do if you get struck by a rattlesnake and you're out fly fishing? And, and he put me on to uh, what the Mayo Clinic recommends, and this is what he would follow. So let me just read this. Uh, it says, and I'm going to start laughing because the first sentence, remain calm and move beyond the snake striking distance. Whoa. <laughs> really? A, yeah. do, do you think? Uh, don't, don't you just sit there and let it strike a couple more times? Some deep insight from Mayo Clinic. Yeah, Mayo that's Clinic. right. But it gets better. Uh, remove jewelry and tight clothing before you start to swell. So, you know, Dave, take your ankle bracelet off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you do get struck on the hand or something, uh, yeah, make sure you get your ring off. Uh, any, you know, any clothing that, that might restrict you, boy, get that off. Uh, it says position yourself if possible so the, that the bite is at or below the level of your heart. And I imagine most times if you get struck in the leg, that's not going to be a problem. And then it says, clean the wound, but don't flush it with water. What is, I've never heard that before. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly what that's about, huh. but uh, that's the recommendation. And uh, maybe somebody who knows something more about that, you could always, uh, uh, yeah, just post something on our a comment on our, our blog about that. Then it says, cover it with a clean, dry dressing. Caution, don't use a tourniquet or apply ice. And that, that's really stressed. That's really important. And I think that was the old method, one of them. It also says, don't cut the wound or attempt to remove the venom. You remember the old cut and suck <laughs> method? Yes, put the X over the... Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> Yeah, and then it says, uh, don't drink caffeine or alcohol, which could speed the rate at which your body absorbs venom. Well, if I can't have caffeine, I'm done. Yeah, that's right. So throw that latte away uh, for the moment. But seriously, that's uh, really something that that everybody should be aware of because a lot of times when you are trout fishing, it doesn't matter if it's uh, in the eastern seaboard, uh, maybe you're back in Pennsylvania, or, or even, I think even in the Driftless where we... Uh, where we fish, I know there there's some rattlesnakes, there's some mo- water moccasins, and then certainly in the West, you're always going to run into rattlesnakes. Well, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, several years ago, I was uh, upland game hunting 
with my family and um, I shot a bird and dropped it. It was a pheasant, dropped it in some rushes and, and I walked in there and um, you know, trying to kick around to find the pheasant and all of a sudden I, I felt something at my feet and I looked down, it was a porcupine. I'd actually kicked a porcupine. Oh. And I fortunately I had these hunting boots and I my the tips tip of my boot was filled with quills. Wow. And um, so I mean these are the type of encounters um, and fortunately they're you know, nothing happened or I was, you know, obviously with a porcupine it's mostly pain if you get one of those quills inside you. But um, it's really important um, just to be aware as you're out in the outdoors. Yeah, that's a good point. What else? Well, one of the things that you and I have stressed in recent years is that if you're fishing with a partner is to stay in view of them. Yeah. Now, if you have two-way radios, um, maybe you can violate that occasionally. But even so, if you're in bear country, um, it's just so important that you you know, be aware of, of your partner and, and make sure that you keep him or her in, you know, in view as much as possible. Yeah, it really is. And I think I would add to that, be aware of the surroundings. It's, it's easy to get fixated on fishing. And I have to confess, I'm, I'm bad at this. Sometimes I just get so uh, fixated on the, you know, the run that I'm fishing and, and I'm trying to concentrate and get my fly you know, down this lane, or, or maybe I see a rising fish, and, and sometimes I realize, wow, I haven't even looked around me, and, and uh, wow, you look up and there's a bear or, or something else. So, yeah, be aware of your surroundings. Several years ago, my brother and I, uh, my brother Matt and I were fishing on Taylor Fork, and you remember, you mentioned that earlier right. in the podcast, mm-hmm. and we had no idea it had the highest, you know, yeah. grizzly bear population in North America and it was just crazy thinking about it later and it has so many bushes and it's just a great place for bears to hide so you know back to your final point which is Mm -hmm. you know just be aware of your surroundings and um, and just think you know plan as you as you go in the outdoors it's true I, I remember a time or two up in Glacier National Park where I uh back in my early 20s I I remember reading about some of the guys who were killed there, and, and I actually went to the, the spots where they were killed. I mean, the, the descriptions were pretty vivid, and, and I just wanted to see on these rivers where they, where they were mauled. And it really struck me the one was really close to civilization and, and to the highway, but it was just like you said. It was one of these places where it's full of bushes, and, and uh, you know, who knows? If, if the guy wouldn't have been alone... You know, maybe you would have had a chance of, of making it, maybe not. But, uh, but you're right. Uh, you know, fish with a friend—that's so critical. All right. The topic for our next podcast is you can learn to fly fish too. We figure if we can do it, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, we'd like we'd love to hear from you. So go to two guys with a numeral two guys in a river dot com and post your close encounters of the wild kind on our blog yeah what kind of wildlife encounters have you had we'd love to hear your stories also be sure to follow us on twitter and like us or love us on facebook i'm steve mathewson and i'm dave getz until next time we are two guys in a river for the love of fly fishing